Hi, and welcome to Gospel Mission Church's message podcast. We pray as you listen, God would meet you and speak to you in a personal way. Here's this week's message from Pastor Corey. Hey, so uh, my apologies for not being a little more dressed up. I'm wearing this cool new t-shirt here. Can you, can you, can you see this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, so I'm, I'm doing it because we're doing a lot of worship this morning and praising God. And so I'm worshiping, wearing this t-shirt. It's a cool t-shirt, yes. But it's more than that in the sense that, that we're, we're celebrating 11 students in our school this year, you know. And, and that should be a little exciting because, uh, because for a very long time we just had two or three and we're going, God, is this going to work? And, and so many of you were praying for 10 and we've got 11 and Pastor Claude says that's not enough because 12 is a really biblical number, you know, the, the 12 tribes and on and on it goes. So, so one of you out there is 12 and it, it would be very biblical if you would sign up. <laughs> and uh, give me some job security. Right on. Love it. Hey, let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you so much for, ha, ah, we're just in your house, and God, people are here, and we're worshiping you, and I just feel like just, there's just a strong heart of desire for people in this room this morning just to connect with you. I know there's people here whose souls are so dry, and we're looking for something God, we're looking for something, and, and you're that something. Holy Spirit, for anyone who is willing this morning, would you come and minister to our hearts? We give you an open invitation to speak some life and some hope into to our journey of life right now. And, and God, may everything I say and do bring honor to you. May it be truthful in the words that I speak. Amen. All right. Cool, cool. Hey, so... Um, so maybe a little more about the school, I, I think, because it, it kind of fits with, with what I'm talking about this morning. And um, you know, we're going to be looking at the life of David. He's one of my big heroes uh, in the Bible. But specifically, how to live in a season of waiting. And uh, it was about four years ago, almost, I think, in, very, very close to right this time of year, four years ago, I had just stepped out of youth and young adult ministry, and I've shared a little bit of my journey with you guys. And... Uh, it was, a, it was a really low point in my life, as I've shared, and I, was, I just felt distant from God and, and, and from the people that I had served, and I was just in a really rough place, and uh, a, good, a good couple friend of mine, Ty and Jenny France, were leading a, a discipleship school called School of the Kingdom, and they were having a Becoming Love conference, and, uh, and they invited me to come out just to be a part of it, and, and you guys ever, like, be in a place where... You know, you're kind of in a rut, and you just really don't want anything good in your life. You just want to kind of distance yourself from it all, you know. And, and I was kind of in that place, and, and I was like, oh, God, I don't really want to go because good things are going to happen. And <laughs> I just, you know, you get into that, that place of just kind of pitying yourself, right? And you kind of get comfortable in that dark hole, you know. And it's like, I'll, I'll go for one afternoon just because I want to honor my friend, and it's like, okay, here's my plan. Come in late, sit in the back corner, slip out quickly, unnoticed. It's like some of you, maybe that's like your church experience right now, right? Oh, <laughs> too honest? Okay, sorry. Focus on me. Focus on me. I'll tell my story, okay? <laughs> Shoot. So that's what I did. And uh, this was a... It was a prophetic ministry that, that the speaker was a part of and just a really powerful ministry. And right early in the service, and, and whether you believe in prophecy or not, I'm just telling my experience, okay? 
And, uh, and so he starts ministering and just calling people out. And it was just like amazing things. He was just like just nailing people's lives and their situations. And it was like, yeah, go God, but don't come back here. You know what's happening, right? You know where this is going. I put my head down because, you know, when you don't make eye contact, then people ignore you, right? And so I'm just sitting there with my head down. And, and it's like it's almost it's just quiet. It's like, oh, maybe he left the room. And I look up and he's coming down the hall. It's towards me. Man, there's a lot of other people sitting around me, right, Lord? It's like, wow, where did everyone go? <laughs> you know, I was like, I'm alone here, right? And yeah, he comes up to me. And he starts speaking over my life and telling me, you know, Corey, our God has, has great things ordained for your, for your life. And you're going to have an impact on, on young adults and youth and our community. And I'm going, hold the phone inside, of course, right? You don't interrupt the prophet, right? So I'm just like, hold the phone. You're like 15 years too late. I just finished that, buddy. I'm done. Right? I gave that to somebody else, right? And he just keeps going and just talking about the impact that I'm going to have and, and the opportunities that I'm going to have and, and all of this stuff. And, and finally it's over and I'm just like, God, whatever. You know, like I don't even know what that was about because, because I gave that opportunity away to someone else, right? And I went on with my life and I just did stuff and tried to forget about that because I couldn't see how, how that could come into being in my life. But you know how God kind of does these things in your heart and he starts stirring things and you, as much as you try and push them away, he just kind of brings them back. And, and also this idea of, well, what if I'm not done yet, God, you know? And it was an interesting time because I, I, was, I was moving through that season and, and getting healthy again and, and God was calling me. I know back into ministry, Pastor Claude had approached me and asked if I'd consider coming to the church and you know, and then I was like, it wouldn't have to be youth and young adult ministry, would it? Well, no, actually not at all. So he's like, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna put you into adult ministry, right? I was like a grown-up now, right? And so <laughs> I can do this, right? I can be with grown-ups. And, uh, and it's like, you know, and I was like, God, if I say yes to this, it feels like it will just put sort of a nail in, 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 that, in that coffin lid, so to speak, you know, where, where that's over, right? But, but what about these words, God? What about these words? And I ask God that. I don't want to take, I don't want to take this, this, this job if I'm going to mess something up here, you know. And, you know, and then God said those words. He said, I got this. Trust me. It's like, well, I don't know, right? I don't know, right? No, he says, trust me. I want you to, I want you to walk out in what, what, what I have for you here in this season of life. And so I trusted him. But you know how painful it is to sometimes trust God and, and wait for God? Right? And I trusted him and I trusted him and it just felt like nothing was happening in that respect. I was enjoying my time. I was, I was loving the ministry that I was involved in, loving being a part of this community. So blessed. But there's that something inside of me, you know. And this fall, I get to lead discipleship school and be a part of Young Adults' lives again. <laughs> and that might not, <laughs> you know, and it's like, like four years, four years. Four years, right? How many of you guys are in a season of waiting in your life? You're waiting for God to show up. You're waiting for God to deliver you. You're waiting for God to be real in your life. You're waiting for God to deal with that pain that you've been struggling with, that broken relationship. You're waiting for God to heal. You're waiting for God to be faithful. You're waiting for God to engage your heart and your life and say, I have a purpose for you. I have value because we're asking these questions all the time. Why am I here? Right? 
Yeah, and for some of us, we're, we're, we're in seasons of waiting, and it's been painful, and it's been long, and, and you're, you're beginning to doubt. God, are you even there? Do you even care about me and my life? Right? You know, and as, as we talk about waiting, we recognize that, that these are not always favored seasons, that they can be hard. But as I've journeyed with God, he's begun to teach me and show me and help me understand that just because something is hard doesn't make it bad. And that's, that's, that's difficult for us to sometimes comprehend because we, we, we somehow believe in, in the gospel of all good things in the sense that, that, that God has called me, God loves me, so therefore nothing bad will happen and I'll just get what I, get what I want, right? And yet recognizing that, that life isn't about necessarily what we want, but recognizing that, that, that God has ordained something for us. And sometimes that will mean walking through difficult seasons, but not because he doesn't love us. Not because he wants to make painful situations in our life, but because, because the fact that he does love us and wants the very best for us and our future. Amen? Maybe God wants to grow your character in this season of waiting. Maybe God wants to grow your, your, your perseverance and your resilience. Maybe God's actually growing something in your life right now in this season that will be so necessary for you to navigate the rest of your life or even ne ne necessary for you to navigate stepping into the future that he has waiting for you. And so it's with this in mind that I've chosen David and I love David because David is so much like me. You can just ask my wife. David was the drama queen of the Bible. And sometimes my wife says, why are you so dramatic and emotional? Ha, 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 right? Should have been the girl in the relationship sometimes. We wonder what happened here, God. I'm so emotional, I can't help it, right? <sighs> and so that's why I relate to David. Have you read the Psalms? Boom, 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 boom. It's like, David, you're a wreck. I love it. <laughs> I understand you. Or I guess he came first, so maybe he understands me, right? He understands all of us, right? I really believe that, that, that when it comes to how to live in a season of waiting, David has some amazing examples for us. And we're not going to look at his time with Goliath or as a great warrior. We're going to actually look at his time pre-kingship when he was a shepherd. And so I want to read the kind of the entry to David's, you know, life in the Bible, I guess, in 1 Samuel 16. How long will you grieve over Saul since I've rejected him from being king over Israel, right? So the nation of Israel is in a tough spot. Saul has walked in the process of walking away from God, and now they need a new king for Israel. But what does he say to him? Because Samuel has been lamenting and grieving. And, and God says, fill your horn with oil and go. Guys, for some of us, we're in that season where God's saying, it's time to quit lamenting. It's time to, to go. It's time to go and get up and start walking. I will send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I provided for myself a king among his sons. And so Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem for this big consecration feast um, where, they would, where they would dedicate um, the next king to God, right? So he's calling everybody together. They're consecrating themselves, going to do some sacrifices. So consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And so he did that. Jesse and his sons invited them to the sacrifice. And so it begins. When they came, he looked on Eliab 
and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed before him, right? I don't know what it was about this guy that was so good looking. I'm guessing he was probably six foot plus, broad shoulders, great beard, <laughs> built, whatever. Add whatever that, whatever looks good to you, add that. That's probably this guy. Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Like, this is the guy. He's going to look so good with that crown. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't look on his appearance or his height or his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees because man looks on the outward appearance. But what does the Lord look at? He looks at the heart. <clears throat> and so as we move through this scripture, we, we, we find that, that Jesse brought all of his sons to the party except one. And of all those seven sons, all were rejected. And, and Samuel said, there must be another one. And they said, yeah, he's the youngest, but we've put him in charge of the sheep. So he sent for him and brought him. And, and he was ready and, and, and beautiful, had beautiful eyes. He was handsome. And the Lord said, arise and anoint him, for this is him. And then Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him. And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David this day forward. And so I really think that, as I already mentioned, David gives us some really, really amazing examples of in the season of waiting, you know, God, how do we live our life? And so the first thing here I want to kind of glean from that is you may feel insignificant to others, but God sees your potential. And I love that. I feel like that's just been such a, a big story, a big part of my life. Now, you guys, you got to wonder, and I don't want to put too much into the story that doesn't exist, but, but when everyone is invited to the town party, except you, it's got to hurt a little bit, right? And, and I wonder, I wonder if David ever battled with insecurities and fears. Why did my brothers all get to come, right? Why was everyone told they could come, but I had to stay, right? And I really think in a small way, this, this begins to, I think, paint a picture of, of, of the battle that, that, that so many of us have going on in our souls daily for our value and our worth, right? Because I really believe that, that we have an enemy who, who, who understands how God sees us and how God has valued you. And, and every day that, that, that enemy seeks to, to try and steal that away or convince you that you'll never be good enough, you'll never amount to anything, Right? And some of you have experienced those thoughts, those, those battles that go on in your mind. And you have doubts about yourself, insecurities about who you are and your purpose and your God, why am I here? Right? And maybe on top of that, for some of you, you've had someone else affirm that with their negative or hurtful words. And all through, begin to believe the lie that we just don't have any value, right? That, that, that we don't have worth. But I love verse 7, guys. This, this is such a, a powerful statement in this interaction. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't look at his appearance on his height or his stature, right? Don't look at their relationship status. Don't look at how much money they have. Don't look at the kind of family they have. Don't look at the kind of influence or popularity that they have. Because according to that, that's not what God attaches value to. Because God doesn't look at what we look at. He's looking deep beneath the surface of what's going on inside of our heart. You know, and, and don't get me wrong, your skills, your IQ, your talents, your accomplishments, 
They, they all have value in God's kingdom, but at the very core of what matters most to God is our heart and how we're caring for our heart and do we have a heart that is pursuing Christ. And I believe that's what, what God saw in David. And I think this is so important for us to understand, guys, because both, both, both Jesse, the very father of this young man, David, and Samuel, the prophet of God, they, they would have completely missed out on this future king, if God had not called it out to them, right? Because how many of us are trying to find value with this tireless efforts of, of attaching all of these things, if I could just have this, if I could just have this, you know, once I'll be dating or once I'll have this much money or once I'll have this kind of popularity, somehow then I'll feel good about myself. But honestly, guys, as we, as we elevate those things to God's status in life, I think there's a reason why we're so disappointed with life. Why, there's a reason why so many people are, are so disappointed with, 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 with marriage and all of those things, right? Because we, we've attached such a high value that that will meet my inner needs. That will meet the needs that actually only God ordained for him to meet. Because the reality, if unless we are communing with him, meditating on him, spending time intimately with him, we will never see what he sees. And it will always be this elusive, just out of our reach, to understand who we really are and where we find peace in our souls. It's good? Yeah. You guys all right? Number two. This next thing that David taught us about persevering through times of waiting. Be honest about your feelings, but stay focused on who God is. I, I, I love this. <laughs> I love this. I'm a feelings guy. I'll tell you how I feel, maybe too much sometimes. But you gotta look at what's going on in David's life. They say roughly between the moment that he was anointed to the moment that that crown dropped onto his head, it's roughly 30 plus years. Sometimes I, I, I struggle waiting three minutes at a red light. Seriously, I got stuff going on, right? I can't wait for this. Cut people off. 32 years, guys. How would you have handled that? There's that daily grind of life. God, you promised this, but where is it, God? And he's running for his life, and he has no money, and life is difficult, and he's hungry, he's tired, he can't go home to his family over and over again, right? All of this stuff. But man, this is a Bible hero, so what would we expect from him? No big deal, God. 32 years, I can do it, right? Oh, David is so human. And that's what I appreciate about him. It says in, in Psalm 24, it gives us a glimpse into David's day. Huh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? From my words of groaning. Oh my God, I cry by day and you do not answer. And by night, I find no rest. I read that and I go, man, David, you're, you're, you're saying the things that I'm, I'm so afraid to admit sometimes. Right? It's like, wow, you can't be a good enough Christian if you got doubts. Man, where's your faith? Right? See, what I, what I think, I think God allowed this journey for David, not only to build his own character, but, but so that we could have a glimpse into the kind of raw and honest emotions that God allows us to approach him with. Because David was doubting. God, are you real? 
right? God, are you going to be faithful, God? And David was honest, and, and, and I think it, it, it paints a picture for, for how God welcomes our doubts and our fears, and we won't have to worry about the judgment of not being good enough. But, but there's something pivotal here, guys, because I think we could probably all relate to those David moments, right? But I, I believe there's something so pivotal that we can't miss in the journey of David that actually kept him from derailing his life. Because you know you stay on those two verses long enough. You stay in that dark hole long enough. You begin believing all the lies about yourself, about your future, and how hopeless it is, right? You know many of you have been there. And so this is why it's so pivotal where David takes everything that's not, not good about his situation, everything about his doubts and about his fears, and every time when David gets into that place, he stops, and then he takes, and he takes everything that's good about God, all of his promises, all of his power, all of his strength, and he, and he pits those negative emotions against those truths about God. And every time you read the Psalms, you see David delivered. But it's only in that way because you will not be able to convince yourself you're good enough or life is going to be okay. You will not. You will wrestle and wrestle. But when we understand David's line of thinking and how he did things where he took all of those negative emotions and said, God, but how do they compare against you? And every time they lost. And that's why in verse 19 we're in the same chapter, guys. Look what we just read. It's like, whoa, things are dark. Whoa. But you, O oh Lord, don't be far off. Exclamation point. Do you notice that? Not a question mark. Oh, you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Exclamation point. Deliver my soul, my precious life from the power of the dog. Exclamation point. Save me from the mouth of the lion. He's making statements about who God is. You have rescued me. What? Did I miss something? Did your whole life turn around, David, in one psalm? No. David's recognizing as he spends time meditating on God's power and strength that even though his situation may be the same, he's already speaking into his future about God's faithfulness. Yeah. Right? It's okay to say, God, I don't know what's going on right now, but I thank you that you're going to work this out. It's actually how we need to live our lives daily or we will fall into despair. And he goes on to say this, I'll tell of your name, right? So he's not keeping it quiet. Guys, God will be faithful. Who needs to hear that from your lips? Who needs to be inspired by that statement? You who fear the Lord, praise him. Glorify him. Stand in awe of him. For he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. He's not hidden his face. God has not forgotten about you. He's not turned his back on you. But he has heard when you cry to him. And what's his response to that? From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform. He's making a commitment to continue to daily walk with God in spite of how his emotions are making him feel. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. The afflicted shall be satisfied, guys. But what's the prerequisite for that satisfaction of our souls and our hearts? Eat, taste, and see that the Lord is good, right? It's like no matter how good that Thanksgiving dinner looks in front of you that your mom made, unless you pick up that fork and get to work, you will never know, right? And the word of God is the same thing, guys. You can listen to what everybody's saying about, listen to what I'm saying about, until you taste, 
You spend time in intimacy with him, meditating, praying, crying out the longings of your heart, giving him time to respond. You will just not know. It will always be someone else's story. I don't want to live in someone else's story. I, I, want, I want God to write my story. He has a story for you. He wants to write and he's waiting on you to respond with your heart this morning. Hmm. See, David was raw and honest, but he made a daily choice to take all of that and compare it against God. And that's our pathway. That's our pathway so we don't give up and fall into despair. Number three. Number three. This is a hard one, guys. Don't take shortcuts to get what you want now to only sacrifice your future. In Samuel, 1 Samuel 24, there's an account of David running for his life. And in that account, David and his men are hiding out from Saul and his men in a cave. And as it would have it, the king needed to use the bathroom. And so he chose David's cave. And see, guys, you got to understand that, that David was promised Saul's throne. And, and, and Saul pursued David relentlessly to kill him. And I think by our, by our own standards, as we're going to look into this passage, retaliation on David's part probably would have been justified by our standards. So then David arose. He sees the king in the cave. The men are encouraging him, go get him. This is your moment. And he stealthily instead cut off a corner of Saul's robe. That's, that's skill. And afterwards... David's heart struck him because he had cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And he said to them, And the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to put out my hand against him, seeing he is the Lord's anointed. So David persuaded the men with these words and did not permit them to attack Saul. See, guys, the reality that David came to, that even though Saul was not acting like God's anointed one, it didn't change the fact that he was. Right? And for this moment, this moment, you have to believe that he must have been tempted. God, this is my fast track to what you promised me. But in the end, under the conviction, I believe, of the Holy Spirit that was upon David, he chose to honor God's timeline. And in this case, David felt because God put Saul on the throne, he would be the one to take him off, not David. And guys, often what we may see as God taking too long, God is seeing as an opportunity, as I've said before, to build a deep character, to prepare us, I believe, for a better future. And I really think, guys, what David's actions should do is they should compel us in our own hearts to take stock and invite the Holy Spirit to search our heart. God, are there areas I'm cutting corners in my life? Not only because I don't have faith in you, but because I think that I can do better. And I know that that's going to, be, going to be different for all of us, right? Maybe it's sexual temptation, right? We know we were created as, as sexual beings, right? But maybe the, the fast track for you is, is pornography. Maybe it's in your dating relationship, in a sexual relationship outside of marriage, or an extramarital relationship, right? God, I got these needs, right? And you're taking too long. Maybe it's in an area of honesty or, or integrity in the relationships that you're in. God, God, because I need to worry about me, God. 
I don't have time to deal with that stuff. Unforgiveness. That's too painful, God. I can't. Maybe it's in your business practices and in areas of honesty there. And it's like, God, but I need more now. And then this will get me more. Maybe, maybe you're in a season of loneliness and, and you're just like convinced that this loneliness has to be dealt with so I will attach myself to a dating relationship or friendships at no matter cost, even if they don't have the same values or visions or goals. It doesn't matter. I need to deal with this now. Right? And it's different for all of us, right, in different seasons of life. But the reality is that when we cut corners, I believe we shortchange ourselves from experiencing the fullness of God's deliverance, but also I believe in, in allowing us to step into the, the, the future that he has ordained for us, and that future we want of blessings and goodness, right? Even if we even pick one of those out of there, even when it comes to our, our sexuality and sexual wholeness and, and purity, what if, what if the same perseverance that you're needed in this season right now to say no to those things is the same perseverance is actually going to be the glue that's going to hold your marriage together when storms come. We just can't see, guys. We can't see what God is doing and why, and why things are always happening. But we have to come back to a place to either fall into despair or trust that God's got this and he will be faithful doing the things in his time. I've heard a lot of my wisdom so many times it's never gone well. It never goes well. And I think David became the king that he did. Not a perfect king, we know that. But he did great things to the point where God said, and he didn't say this to a lot of people, he's a man after my own heart. Because he said, God, no, your way. And when he messed it up, he repented. God, your way, not my way. Hmm. One more? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Fourth thing. Man, this is good, guys. It's right in your bulletin, I think. Ah, fourth thing that we need in the season of waiting is we need the, Holy, the power of the Holy Spirit to rush over us too. I love that word, rush. It's like dinner's ready. <laughs> We're rushing, right? <laughs> right? It's like your kid coming down for Christmas. Presents time. We're rushing, Right? I love that. It wasn't like walk, anoint, flow, fall, rush. I want that. I need some rush in my life, God. And I believe, guys, I believe that it was the Holy Spirit that empowered David to slay Goliath, become a great warrior, do all of those amazing things. And I still believe, because I've seen it, I've experienced it, that the Holy Spirit desires to work in powerful ways in anyone who will believe in him and call on him. But I also recognize that sometimes we just equate the work of the Spirit with power and miraculous, which I believe he's a part of. But there was something so important that the Spirit was at work at in David's life during this season of waiting. I'll give you a glimpse of that in John 14, 26. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said. See, guys, I really believe that, that one of the biggest reasons that, that we doubt God's faithfulness, we assume that he has forgotten us, 
that we fall into hopelessness and despair and even at times choose sin is really because we forget. We forget how good God is. We forget about those intimate times in worship with him where he was connecting with our hearts or those private times in a quiet prayer where you just really felt the assurance of God's goodness, right? I think we forget that, his, that he is faithful, that his promises are true. I think, I think sometimes we forget he created the whole world and the universe. And he's actually that powerful, right? That he's that big. And at the same time, he's so focused and centered on just you and me at the same time. We forget. And I think it leads us astray, right? And I'm with you in all of this, right? But, but, but John reminds us that the Spirit of God was sent to teach us and remind us about the things of God. And the, sorry, this isn't up on the screen, but Psalm 119, 9 and 10 says, The Lord's decrees, His laws, the Lord's word is sweeter than honey, more precious than gold. More precious than gold, guys. Do, 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 do you view the word of the Lord like that? Right? And I'll, I'll be honest, so many times I, I haven't, right? And I was, I was thinking about this, uh, and... Uh, you know, my, my son and a couple of his friends, they do a podcast called Whatever Town. And they do this little exercise on there, would you rather? And it's lots of silly things. Like, would you rather be, you know, bald or have your body covered completely in hair? You know, or something like that. And you have to make a hard choice, right? Ah, uh, can I keep my shirt on at the beach, right? Um, and we got to make a choice, right? And I, but I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, man, what would that look like in a, in a would you rather and it's like, God, if your word was laying here, your word and access to the word, would you rather have no access to the word and all the gold that you wanted so you could buy anything or not, right? This is the conviction I'm going through as I'm doing this message. Would you rather? You know, and I was so convicted. It's like, God, do I see that kind of value in your word or would I choose the money? And I'm not, I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. I'm just saying that's what I'm battling through right now. God, do I love your word that much? And I didn't know what to do with that in that moment with that thought. And God says, just ask that you would allow me to work in your life so that you would fall in love with my word. I said, I can do that, God. I don't think he wants to guilt us into that. But do you ever ask, God, I've ignored your word. I haven't given it any time or value. I'm sorry. Would you help me to fall in love with your word? You can even do that in your seat right now. <laughs> it's that simple, right? Because God's that good. See, we, we sometimes think the Holy Spirit's this out there thing and, and it's only for the miraculous or for healings, guys. But the reality is that the, the moment you engage in the Word of God, and if you would just even pause for a second and say, Holy Spirit, bring this Word to life in me. Holy Spirit, I'm hurting today. I'm doubting you today. Would you bring me to a place, bring to a passage, bring me to a word of encouragement that would speak specifically into my life? Man, we can pray like that. And did you guys know the Holy Spirit would love to come alongside of you? God, would you allow your word to transform my life so I can be a better husband, a better spouse, a better, better wife, a better friend, a better word? Whatever it is, whatever it is, Holy Spirit, would you come? But there's no shortcut, guys. Hearing this message isn't a shortcut to, to being in the Word yourself. Listening to podcasts and messages all week long, every day. I know some people, man, I listen to three a day. Awesome, man, but are you in the Word? 
Right? I'm hearing, no, are you in the word? Because you got to see those words. you got to meditate on those words. you gotta, you got you to claim those promises for your life. And, and you got to know these things because what, what, what David found out is when you do that and you get into moments of hopelessness and despair, your mind is now armed and ready with truth to combat the lies that sometimes are so difficult to beat. It's the only way. Self-talk, self-help, good coaching, like it. But that's not going to set you free. It's the word of God transforming our minds and our hearts like precious gold, sweeter than honey. That is the pathway. The greatest self-help book has been written. Come on, churchites. We can do this. We can make it. We don't have to live giving up. We don't have to live as hopeless. We've been redeemed and set free. We've been given the keys to the kingdom. Go and multiply and see life come. But we got to be in the word. Ha. Amen. Amen. Oh, man. Ha. I'm going to invite the worship team to come out. I think I'm out of steam here. So why don't you guys come out? we got to spend a little bit of time praying together before we go, okay? Just a few more minutes, guys. The barbecue can wait a little longer. Ooh. Oh, Father, it's so good to be together in your house. We thank you for Sundays and Saturday nights. God, I need them so badly. I need to be reminded over and over again how good you are. And God, we just come here this morning and seasons of longing, God, is, so we've had some fun this morning, but we're just recognizing there's a lot of people here this morning who are really hurting, who are in long seasons of wait, and they're dry this morning. I don't know about you guys, but I I believe that I've battled with this, and I, I think I'm not alone, that there's some of you this morning who are just doubting your value and your worth of your life. Some of you here this this morning have given up on God. You're doubting that he's faithful, that he's even watching you, that his promises are for you, and you've, you've begun to believe they're only for anyone else but you. You know, maybe as a result of that, you've you've taken situations into your own hand and you've made your own decisions to, to try and force God's hand or meet your needs on your own wisdom or strength. And, and right now it's life's become more difficult, more confusing than you imagined it could be. And maybe, maybe you're like me and you've gone through long seasons of life where you just have undervalued God's word and you haven't, haven't engaged in it for the sake of hearing and listening and growing, finding hope and finding joy, right? You're trying to manufacture that hope on your own strength and it's just wearing you out. morning guys if, if there's stuff going on inside of you and you said yes to any of those things I just want you to recognize that that is the voice of the Holy Spirit just speaking to you right now and it's pretty simple I believe what he wants you to know this morning is he's calling you back he's calling you back to holiness 
And that's so hard, right? Because we live in a world that doesn't care about holiness and there's so few good examples around us at times. They can feel like you're the only one who's striving for sexual purity, striving for integrity. And I think the Holy Spirit just wants to remind you this morning that you're not alone and there's others who are fighting that fight too. Maybe this morning the Holy Spirit's just saying it's, it's time to get up and keep walking. You've been down for a while, but, but it's time to keep going. We have a future. We have a destiny. I have a vision for you. And I'm, I really believe he's just extending his hand this morning and saying, let me help you up. I won't let you go. I know he's saying that right now. That's based on the truth of his word, guys. He's saying, I'm going to be faithful. Hang in there right now. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't quit. I'm going to see you through this. So if that's you this morning, then just in your seat there and just your own quiet space, just invite you to pray this prayer, God, this morning. I'm choosing to trust you again. In my season of waiting, choosing to turn my eyes toward you again. God, again, I choose to believe in your faithfulness. God, this morning I choose to believe in your deliverance. I choose to believe in your power. I choose to believe that whatever the world is saying, you're worth following. So I give myself to you. Hmm. Yeah. And guys, I have to ask this morning too that there's maybe some of you who've just maybe never, never even thought about God like that or making a commitment to God. And, or maybe you've walked away and this morning you just recognize that there's such an emptiness inside of you and, and life is so confusing and it feels like it's getting worse. And, and, and while today is just one small step, by making a commitment this morning and saying, God, I want, I want to follow you again. I give my life to you. For some of you, maybe the first time, God, I, I need someone to help me make sense of life and find purpose and hope and healing. So I want to let you know that, that, that you're here with a purpose this morning, that God has been waiting for you. And, and I'm asking you, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Maybe this is your morning where you say, God, I give my life to you. If, if that's you this morning, would you just slip up your hand so I can just pray for you? God, I'm giving my life to you this morning. Making that commitment to you. Hmm. Yeah. God, we thank you for everyone who prayed that prayer this morning. And, and God, again, just... Please just remind us again of your faithfulness. And we love you and we thank you for, for your commitment to see us through each and every one of these seasons that we're in right now and beyond. Amen. Thanks for joining us on the GMC podcast. For more information about what's going on this week, check out gmchurch.ca. Thank you so much for listening and have a wonderful week.